just uh, we took just a moment just because announcements were, were quite long to pray for the dads but uh, there'll be a little bit of content around that in the in the talk but just to say you know from a pastoral perspective uh, in terms of uh, who you are as fathers and and just parenting in general we just really appreciate you and we're really really thankful for uh, what you do and we really want to honor you the role of, of spiritual parents in the community the role of dads in the community is is huge um, there's a whole bunch of, uh, of important things in scripture about it, and maybe we'll, we'll teach on it another time, but um, there's just, when, when the fathers in the house are healthy and the fathers in the house are moving in their authority and the fathers in the house are uh, solid and their feet are, hi Stacy, did you get that bug? Uh, the fathers in the house are, um, are, are grounded in Jesus than just everything in a church and everything in community and everything in, in, in the community that's surrounding a church and everything the church impacts is just healthier. It's just healthier. And so just really, uh, just, just briefly before we get into the sermon, just encourage you dads to, to allow Jesus to care for you, allow him to grow you. Uh, consider yourselves people still constantly under development by Jesus, that he has a, a, a purpose for you, that you're linchpin people in, in, our, in our culture and in our church. And uh, the healthier you are in your relationship with God, uh, the better off we all are. Um, and so just, just let me take a second and just pray for you guys. Um, Father, thank you so much for the dads in our community. Uh, thank you so much for those that uh, experience all, all kinds of different things in that, Father. All, all, we all wrestle with insecurities and fears and, and uh, sense of inadequacy sometimes. Uh, there's so much stuff that we, uh, we experience, Father. But I just ask that you would speak and you would give uh, each one a sense of confidence that you'll meet them when they take steps to grow, that you'll meet them when they take steps uh, deeper into relationship with you, that you will meet them as a father parenting them. And we pray for every potential father in this place, every young man, that he would uh, see that you can be his father. Uh, would you be a father to us? We thank you for this incredible image in the scriptures, and we, uh, as children, uh, just humbly submit ourselves to your parenting so that we can be good spiritual and natural parents. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Cool. And of course, we hope you'll enjoy a little root beer at the back and uh, those uh, sausage sticks. I think this is as close to beer and cigars as I could actually get. So, uh, but uh, yeah, so that's a different kind of church that, that we're not quite that level of freedom yet. Um, but uh, yeah, we just really appreciate you and hope you'll enjoy that. There's looks like there's lots of leftovers, so be sure on your way out after the service uh, to pick up another and just enjoy it. Enjoy your afternoon. Uh, so we're in the middle of a little service here called um, Crossing the Threshold. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to uh, really sort of build a foundation uh, for this call that we're experiencing and this, this thing that we're feeling a need to lead us to as a church, uh, deeper into community, deeper into relationships, into uh, connecting with our home churches. And we're really trying to sort of say, so what are the things uh, in, in the journey that would draw us into a home church? What are the things that sort of scare us about that? What does God want to do in that space? And what is he calling? 
calling us to. And so we've really just been talking about a few different things. We've got uh, this week and one more week to go. Week one, we sort of took about, talked about uh, how we, you know, we as a culture, we wrestle with uh, loneliness and, and disconnection. And that, that we actually have a deep need for the body of Christ that we can't do this Christian journey as people who are isolated and separate from one another. We're simply not designed to do this thing alone. And what we do here on Sunday mornings in terms of connection with Jesus uh, is, is awesome and beautiful and important. Like the way we sort of sit here and rose uh, to worship Jesus and to imagine ourselves before the throne of God is powerful and beautiful, awesome. And the way we sit in rows like this in order to uh, experience teaching and to engage with the word, it's the best way to do this form of teaching and communication. And, and we believe that preaching and teaching is an important part of what we do. So rows are good, rows are excellent, but we believe that circles are even better. When you have rows and circles together, life can be amazing. And so uh, with Home Church, what we're trying to do is to call us into the circle, uh, to get us beyond that place of coming just Sunday mornings uh, to sort of with a consumer attitude, to just sort of receive something from God. Uh, this whole setup with rows is, is awesome. It is a good way to do this part of church, but it lends itself to a sense of this is an entertainment or this is a show or this is uh, what we would experience when we go to to a theater. It's not as good for one-on-one, heart-to-heart interaction, for vulnerability, for all of that. So we really want to call us uh, into circles. So uh, just to beat the loneliness and disconnection that's happening in our society. And in the second week, we talked about spiritual gifts and empowered community. How important it is for us to uh, really be in a community that's not just a group of people sitting together talking, drinking coffee. You can do that anywhere, but we need something that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and we need the gifts to be released. And depending on where you're at in a theological spectrum, if you're uh, out there as a charismatic, um, that idea of spiritual gifts is exciting to you. We want more of that. If you're way over here and coming from a conservative place, the idea of spiritual gifts, it's like, I don't even know if that's real. And I've seen some wacky things. And there are some of us who've been way out here in the charismatic and like just been beat up and hurt and burned by the wackiness. And we've swung the pendulum way over here. And I might even be sort of somewhere in that zone myself. Um, but what I do know is that we do need to have that empowered community to really go forward. And when we look at the mission that God's calling us to uh, in culture, the people that we're called to reach, we need the power of the Spirit working. So we talked last week really about how to do that in healthy ways. What sort of character things need to be in place uh, to do it in a healthy way? How, what are attitudes toward one another as people are? So we dug into that last week. And if you haven't heard any of those messages, you've been away, really encourage you to go online. Uh, you can see our podcast on iTunes or or on our church website or SoundCloud. And just, I, I think they're, I'm, I'm not the greatest preacher in the world. I'm not trying to promote uh, what I do, but I, I think it's important what I say as badly as I say it. I think it's really important. And so I just really encourage you to listen to that and to begin to dig in to what God's uh, calling us to do. At the end of last week, uh, we put an audacious number on the screen, 26,444. 
Um, and some of us don't like numbers and don't like uh, the pressure of big numbers attached to vision. Uh, but what that number represents is uh, the number of people in our region, in our four townships that we serve for the most part, uh, looking at Beckwith Township, Carlton Place, Almont, Mississippi Mills, and just sort of looking at statistics, we kind of extrapolated that there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 26,444 people in the region we serve roughly, and that's not including Canada, Stittsville, uh, Perth, Smith Falls, all the other people that come to church from further away, but from our closest townships, 26,444 people who are, are unchurched, who have no connection with a Christian community at all, who this morning are spending their morning maybe watching Netflix, maybe still asleep, maybe shopping, maybe on the sports field, wherever they are, having no idea that they can be worshiping the creator of the universe, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who spoke them into existence and created them. They just don't know that they can have that friendship and they can have that relationship. And we want to connect with them and we want to reach them and we want to understand uh, who they are and where they're at. So just a, a few more statistics to help us understand them. And these statistics uh, flow through into the life of the church as well, but we want to understand the community we're ministering to. Uh, one in five Canadians experience mental illness or addiction. That means a fifth of those 26 uh, 1,444 people, uh, and some of them among us in the church, experience a significant problem uh, with substance abuse or a significant problem uh, with mental illness. That there's, a, there's a need there. 9.5% uh, of Canadians live below the poverty line. We constantly feel as a church a call to figure out how do we address poverty, how do we help uh, those who are wrestling with financial issues, uh, both in and among our community and those sort of in, in beyond. But that's, a, that's actually a staggering number. A tenth of the population in Canada is impoverished. Right? That's, that's, that's astounding for a nation uh, in the developed world, developing, you know, developed world like we are. It's, a, it's an astounding number. 19.2% um, of children uh, live in lone parent families. It's not meant to be any judgment with that. We have some heroic single parent uh, moms and dads in our community. But it just gives you an idea that, that there's a significant amount of brokenness in families and the family unit as we think that God has designed it. It's something that's out there in terms of the people that we're trying to reach, the 26,000 that we're trying to figure out how in the world we as a church uh, care for. Uh, and just this is another really interesting statistic that I came across. 13.9% uh, of the adult population lives alone. And we might not think that that's strange at all. That's like, oh yeah, that sort of makes sense. Of all the people I know, there's a lot of people that live alone, but when you look back a little over 50 years in history, only 1.8% of people lived alone in Canada. So that number is multiplied, you know, like six times, right? of people who just live alone. It's a shift, a major shift that's happened in our culture in terms of people who are uh, living in, in dwellings by themselves and who are just not connected into a family unit at all. When we speak to the amount of disconnection that's out there. So these are just, just a few statistics about these, these people that we want to reach and the people that are, 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 you know, in part of our community. There's a substantial need there. And we did some more audacious uh, numbers. Uh, we divided that number by 20 and said, hey, we only need to start uh, 1,322 home churches to care for them. <laughs> no problem. We got this. 
<laughs> right? Like that's a, that's a scary number. That's a big, uh, big number. And obviously that's not what we're going to do by ourselves as a church. And we really want to honor the efforts of every other Christian community in the area that is thinking the exact thing, same things we are, that are passionate about seeing the church grow all around them. But for us, it's like, how do you meet the need that's out there? How do you care for all of these people that are out there? How do we structure ourselves? How do we uh, build our church in a way that actually provides care? And that's why that call from uh, rows to circles is so important is because we can't give deep and meaningful, authentic care to people with just a Sunday morning talk, which I think is our Sunday morning talks are absolutely awesome. Uh, and, <laughs> and we can't do it with just our worship band and this encounter with Jesus. Again, these are vital. We're not taking anything away from that, but we just have to go deeper, right? We just have to uh, do more. Uh, when Jesus saw that number, and this is again, maybe still a little bit of review from last week, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. And we talked about that, like when we see that number, we don't want it to be daunted. We don't, want, we don't want to be daunted by it. We don't want to be like overwhelmed by it. We don't want to be like, oh man, we can never do that. Like these big numbers are just intimidating. We want to think, you know, what can we do? Because we see Jesus responding to the multitudes and seeing the multitudes, and, and he was moved by them. And in this context in Matthew chapter 9, he had just healed a bunch of sick and delivered a bunch of people, set some people free. His disciples were moving in Holy Spirit-empowered ministry. Amazing things were happening. And then he saw all of the ones that he couldn't get to, all of the ones that he, he couldn't reach, all of the ones who weren't in his church. And he uh, was moved with compassion. And we didn't unpack this part. This is what we're going to unpack today. Is because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. So he uh, looked at them and he looked at where they were at and he said, yeah, there's, some, there's more that need healing. There's more that need miracles. Uh, there's more that need deliverance. There's more that need all of that kind of stuff. But he saw the need over top of the sort of uh, tangible felt needs that people were struggling with. And, and he identified it as being uh, their primary needs is that they're weary and scattered, which I think is, is fascinating. I think it's fascinating. He didn't say poverty as a significant need they wrestled with. He didn't say uh, their need is uh, counseling. He didn't say, you know, specifically their need was inner healing. I think their needs were all of those things. He didn't say their need was a food program or a food bank or a clothing bank or a, an outreach program or a coffee shop or whatever. He didn't uh, specify it down to any of those sort of ministry program things that we would think about in a church. He just said, they're weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. They're weary and scattered. The big felt need was that they need rest. They need rest. They need a place where they can find themselves at peace with God, where the world isn't coming at them in such a way that they are constantly striving to achieve or constantly striving to survive or constantly under the burden of doing life in their society and their culture, just trying to live it out in the world by themselves. So their problem is that they're weary from that. They're weary from religion. They're weary uh, from everything that they're wrestling with. And that's what caused Jesus' heart to be moved by compassion. 
They need to be at peace with me. They need to figure out how to dwell in a place of safety, in a place of security, and in a place of rest. And what he's saying is that if he can achieve that for them, then all of the rest, poverty, sickness, disease, all of that gets solved if they have a relationship filled with peace with me, right? He's pointing them to relationship with himself. Um, to be gathered, to be connected to one another for mutual support and encouragement. They're weary and scattered. So they're scattered. They, they need to be gathered. They need to be brought together into community. They need to be brought together into groups. They need to be connected with one another. What he's doing is painting an image that everybody in that culture would have understood. Uh, they would have known what that's like if a, a flock of, of sheep are out on the hills outside of Jerusalem uh, doing their thing. If the shepherd doesn't shepherd them, they just slowly, 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 slowly drift apart. They're getting picked off by wolves. Uh, they're drifting into valleys where there's no food. They're, they're, they're disconnected. They're spread out. They're hurting and they're broken. And what he's saying is, is all of this need that I see is solved if I bring them together to be connected to one another, to be supported, to be encouraged. They're like sheep having no shepherd. Uh, the truest need of the 26,444 is leadership. The truest need of the 26,000 that we want to reach is pass being pastored. I can't pastor them all. Pastor Ivan can't pastor them all. Pastor Doug can't pastor them all. All of the wonderful pastors that we, we love in our region at, at these other churches that we have friendship with can't pastor them all. We're not talking about paid professional ministers. Jesus is looking forward to a time when he has an army of pastors that are out there in the culture representing him under Jesus' authority humbly. The body of Christ must shepherd the lost, leading them to encounter the rest of Jesus, peace with Jesus, encounter with Jesus, and gathering them into spirit-empowered communities of care and discipleship. And that's what the early church did. That's what happened in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit fell, and Peter tried to explain it to everybody and preached a sermon that killed it and led like 3,000 people to Jesus in one moment. Then they figured out how to care for them. And that's what happened. The church went from community to community to community to community, proclaiming the gospel and setting up groups of people to care for people and to lead them. The only way this possibility, this possibly works, and the only way this possibly works in our culture is if it, if it starts here with the church. And that's the only way it works, is if we here in this room move from rows to circles. And you and I become equipped as pastors to be leaders of the 26,000 in our culture, to lead them to come and drink at the fountain of life that Jesus is pouring out, to lead them into community where they can be cared for and loved and supported. It just, it just has to start, though, with us. And so the question really is, 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 is will we uh, allow ourselves to become equipped? Will we allow ourselves to become ministers? This incredible concept in the, in the New Testament of the priesthood of all believers. 
You're all pastors. Who's the pastor of this church? Raise your hands. All of you, raise your hands right now. You're the pastors of this church. You're the pastors of the 26,000. You're the ones who are meant to care. You're the ones who are meant to give. Uh, you're the ones who are meant to serve. Or you're meant to be equipped to do that. And, and we're trying to figure out how to do that. That's our vision as a church. Uh, these are in our documents. These are, you know, on the, on the sheets that you can fill out at the front when you come in, when you're uh, wanting to find out more about the church, when you're wanting to uh, sign on for home churches, whatever. We remind ourselves that our vision is to be a church community where we and our unchurched friends together can gather to encounter Jesus and grow in faith together, right? We want to gather, not just with us, not just with Christians, but to create a space where our unchurched friends can come and find peace with Jesus, come and experience his presence, come and experience his rest, come and experience his healing. And our process is, is that when we simply live to encounter Jesus, be transformed and share his love, that life gets good. And we look at churches all over the world, everybody's thinking about this uh, as a sort of three-phase formulation. These are our words, but uh, Connexus Church has one, and C4 Church has another, and every other church has one, where you're thinking about these three main ideas. You call people and gather them to uh, encounter Jesus, to worship. You put them in small groups where they can be transformed and equipped and healed and empowered to do ministry, and then you send them out to do ministry to share His love. Uh, encounter Jesus, be transformed, share His love, and then home church piece for us is where that transformation happens. It happens a little bit here. It does. We really do grow every time we expose ourselves to the Word of God. But if you want to be transformed and, and turned into somebody who, like, like how, let me just ask the question, like, don't you want that? Don't you want to be a living, active expression of the body of Christ on the earth? Yeah, that's what we want. Like, that's where the joy is. That's where the fulfillment is. When we are his hands and feet, when we are doing the stuff, that's where the joy comes for us. So we do this, we emphasize it. Uh, and, and not just, we have so many wonderful groups. We have Zoomers and young adults and youth groups and, and all of that. They're, they're wonderful groups where we can sort of target the needs of a specific generation and care for them. But we want to do more. We want to call people into intergenerational home churches. And we want to do that for, for a reason. Because when we're in a group that has the grandmas and the grandpas and the parents and the moms and the dads and the kids all in the living room together with the kids making a bit too much noise and the conversation happening and someone's got to care for the kids and we just had lunch and all of that swirl is happening together somehow in the mix and in the wonder of that crazy swirl of people across the generations gathered together, uh, it turns out to be the most effective model possible for transformation, for equipping, and for sending. It's through spiritual parenting. It, it, it's, I mean, Rona talks about this, about the Halls Home Church. You know why Rona, I mean, there's, there's other reasons, but, but Rona, who does our announcements from time to time, you guys know her. You know why she really, really loves going to the Halls Home Church? And Rona's a woman of, I'm going to say, 24 years old, um, something in that range. Um, but the reason she loves to be in that home church, will you stand up, please, Kathleen? 
That's the reason Rona loves to be in that home church. For the seven, uh, I'm gonna say 45 year old woman <laughs> in the mix who's just a little bit ahead of her on the journey. Right? Like, come on, we need mamas and papas, and we need kids to look after. You don't learn to lead unless there's some teens milling about your knees trying to figure life out, and you can speak into their lives. That's how you become a spiritual father. And you are a spiritual mama to the Ashleys and to the Ronas if you come. And so that's why we're calling you. If you're part of Zoomers, that's amazing. We love it. Love that incredible group that's filled with prayer and, and ministry. Like, I love what you guys do on Monday mornings, your Bible study. But I want to call you out of that into home churches where you can care for the Ronas and the Ashleys. You can be spiritual moms and dads to them, and they can come up beside you and say, hey, you've walked this journey in a way that I haven't walked it. Can you just teach me something? And for the 20-somethings, for you guys who gather together on, on Wednesday nights, beautiful, incredible, you guys, uh, together, the way that you share parts of your journey that are uh, shared with your demographic, shared struggles. But I've got to call you out of that. Um, not to leave it and not go, but to carve out another night of your week uh, to come to the home church and, and to sit beside an Ashley who's maybe three years ahead of you. And uh, <laughs> uh, do you like the way I do numbers? Like the way I'm working the, working the ages? Yeah, so somebody like Ashley in her early 20s uh, who... Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Everybody feels so good, right? Uh, to, to, to hear what she has to say, what, what she can offer for you. And so that you can learn how she cares for you in the community and that you can be able to care for somebody who's, who's behind you in the journey. We need this stratification through the community uh, of the older folks with the younger folks uh, doing life together. So, it, and, and, if you, and if you want to look at the scriptures of just how this works, uh, spiritually, there's just there's millions of examples. There's just so many examples of uh, of that. You know, uh, young men teach the old, or old men teach the young men, uh, older women teach the younger ladies. All this kind of stuff. But I just want to show you one relationship, and that's the relationship between Paul and Timothy, which I think I can safely say is the clearest picture of the transfer of uh, a gift of pastoring, a gift of serving, a gift of leadership that got transferred to the next generation that made an impact. Paul uh, mentored this incredible young man, Timothy, but look at the language that he used for Timothy. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Timothy 1.18, this charge I entrust you. Now he's talking to the place where he's sending Timothy. Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. So that's the next one. Uh, and the, with the prophecies made about you, uh, that you may fight the good fight of faith. Timothy, my child. Second uh, Timothy 1, 2. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace. Second Timothy 2, 1. To you then, my child, be strengthened 
by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, 1 Corinthians, he's talking to the Corinthian church now. That is why I sent you, Timothy. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. To the Philippian church, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. We're called to take uh, this, you know, we love to be attracted to people who are just like us. Our youth love to hang with youth. Our 20-somethings love to hang with the 20-somethings. Our Zoomers love to hang with the Zoomers. Um, but we, we've got to mix it up. We've got to mix it up. And so if you're here and you're sort of wrestling with like, like can I cross the threshold to be heart part of a home church? Can I go from the rows into the circles? It, it might cost you something to do that, right? It might cost you a night of your week. It, it might cost you, like to be fully honest, if you're a parent with young kids, you might have to decide not to put your kids in one more program. If they're in six programs in the week, you might only be able to put them in five so that you can take them to home church on Sunday nights. But the value that they receive there from seeing you honor your elders and your elders caring for you and to see a room full of elders. This is Ashley's story talking about how her home church loves on her kids. You want to put your kids in that place. And you want to put yourself in a place where you can be a mama and a papa to somebody else's kids. Like there's so much life there. We as a church, in terms of how we structure and program and plan home church, we'll do the very best to make it as easy as possible uh, and to make the content as good as possible and as rich as possible and to uh, train our leaders as well as possible and all of that. But, uh, but we all are going to have to pay the price a little bit for it. It means we've got to give up a little something to do this more than once a month and go to bi-weekly or to move from bi-weekly to go to weekly. Whatever it is that we, we feel as a, as a team that we have to do, we gotta give something up to get there for something that has eternal value and for the 26,000 that we need to learn to care for. Those groups are our incubators where we learn how to be caregivers. And so we're calling you to think about it, calling you to pray about it, calling you to commit yourself. Uh, to that. That's what our gathering's about next, uh, next week uh, after church, is an opportunity to just explore and ask and pray and find out and learn. And we really, really want you to come so that we can launch in September uh, really strongly with these groups that are hopefully going to incubate care and train us and equip us and empower us as leaders so that we can reach the lost. We've just got to care for them. So that's the question to you. Will you cross the threshold? into somebody's home with some wonky food and people you don't know. It's awkward and strange and difficult a little bit, but we want you to cross the threshold and come into the community. Let's stand up. <clears throat> Father, we put our eyes on you and we know that your heart is moved with compassion for the 26,000. We don't know how many of them there that are, that are ours to reach. We don't know exactly uh, what, what that means for us, but we see it as a number that draws us outside of ourselves with passion. 
Would you put it in us for the sake of the vision, for the sake of the lost, to invest ourselves in becoming equipped and trained to be pastors and leaders of this people? We have a, a long way to go. We have so much to learn, Father. To become people who can be good representatives, who can be the hands and feet of you upon the earth. But we, we commit ourselves to that journey. Will you help us overcome our fears? Will you help us overcome uh, our doubts? Will you help us overcome our distractions? And just show us how to walk this out as a community. Pray for uh, next week when we gather to talk about this uh, again uh, after church. We pray that you will call us into this. There will be people this week who will hear supernaturally a call uh, to invest, a call to be developed, a call to learn, a call to grow. That we can multiply ministry out into the community and, and, and do this mission that you've called us to, Jesus. Speak to our hearts. Encourage us, embolden us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Father's Day.